Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Cultaholic Monday Night Raw Retro Review. My name is Justin Henry. I am the site writer for Cultaholic, and I am joined today by radio presenter and all-around great dude, Tom Campbell. Aww, Tom, how you doing? I've never been referred to as a great dude. This will be the first and the last time. I'm very proud. Well, if we, if we record a second show, I will make sure that you are at least one more time referred to as a great dude. How's Get that? in. All is good, thank you, though, Justin. We are currently... And this is a very rare thing for the United Kingdom. We're in the middle of a heat wave. This never happens. This is our. This is like six years of allotted sunshine we've had in four days. <laughs> well, I assume it's the residual warmth and happiness from seeing Germany get bounced out of the World Cup yesterday. Oh, you have no idea how delighted the world is. Well, the UK is. Germany aren't that bothered, but the UK is especially <laughs> delighted with seeing... Germany knocked out. The only issue is that we are we're facing a potential beer shortage in the country. Oh, oh, and I gee. don't think it's related to the Germany getting knocked out thing, but I'm pretty sure oh, it doesn't help. I'm, I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's not. <laughs> but I, I have to say that because my Americans were not in it this year, um, I'm a Germany supporter because of my, of my heritage. So yesterday was not a good day for me. Are you historically German then? Uh, I'm more than half my blood is of German extraction. Yes. My favorite word in German, and I know you didn't ask, but I'm going to offer it anyway. My favorite <laughs> word in German is Oberstufen Alfenhausraum. <laughs> which I is can see why that would be your favorite word. It's it's co- it's common room in German. That's. <laughs> <laughs> It's a lot of syllables for common room. I love it. The room that is... It probably translates as the room that is very common. Oberstufenalfenhausraum. All I know is that a lot of Facebook and Twitter posts yesterday have included the word schadenfreude. And it's like, you don't even know what that word means. If only there was a German word for schadenfreude, it would just be perfect. <laughs> yes. That was what most of the posts were. <laughs> I, I I got really sad because I wrote that down and I saw that a hundred other people have done it. I was like, oh, yeah, everyone I makes I was that being joke. Really clever. Never mind. Uh, as we speak, England are playing. Uh, so uh, I mean, it doesn't matter. We're through to the next bit. So everybody's <laughs> delighted. Here's the thing: um, whoever wins tonight 
has a much trickier path to the World Cup final than whoever loses tonight. So if England lose tonight, we've just got a couple of teams that are probably quite beatable to win the World Cup. If we win, we've got a face like Japan and probably Brazil. So both teams are now doing that British thing of trying to let the other go first. After you. No, after you, I insist you score. No, no, you score. You have this game. No, no, I think you should have this game. Well, based on what my seeing eyes have seen, Brazil can be beaten if you just score a bunch of goals in the first half. Um, I'm glad you said in the first half because I thought that was the most general football build-up I've ever heard. Yet any team is beatable if you just score more goals than them. Well, I'm referring to one particular match from four years ago. Oh, where they just got creamed in the first half. Yes, that was... That was my favorite sports moment until the Eagles won the Super Bowl this year. But but I digress. Go Eagles! <laughs> Thank. Way to butter yourself up to me. Or Go me up to Eagles! You. <laughs> Woo Eagles! There's. I'll teach. <laughs> I'll teach you the fight song one day. Eagles, Eagles. Is that the fight song? Uh, no, it's actually a lot more. Eagles, Eagles, Eagles. <laughs> it's more charmingly ending than that. <laughs> <laughs> but we love it. It's. It, it, it's, it's part of our local dialect. But yes, we, we have a retro Raw to look at here, Tom. Not just any retro Raw, the first Raw ever. Yes, the maiden voyage, as it were. I'm very excited. I've loved watching this back. It just... And th- there's a really good reason why I enjoyed watching this back, but I want to save it till the very, very end of our discussion. Uh, because, oh. But... For no other reason, it's nice to see the humble beginnings of this program, and they were very, very humble beginnings. <laughs> That's putting it mildly. It was uh, if you showed this to a fan today that, that was not aware of what WWF was like in 1993, they would be a little bit surprised by, uh, I guess, sort of the just how I want to say sterile, but how basic the show was, and how in part they may have tried a little bit too hard. It wasn't the most. It wasn't the most auspicious beginning, let's say. No, it was. It was. It was very much like you say, basic. In, I don't think that's a bad thing though. When you consider what we get these days, but we'll 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 come we will come to that. But um, favorite fact about the the ham is the Hammerstein Ballroom. Yes. In New York, um, my favorite fact about that is. In order to get the ring into that room, they had to go up like multiple flights of stairs and they would do that every single week. So you know that most of the biceps in late 90s WWF was built on carrying rigging up and down the stairs in New York. And this was and this was during the period when the musculars Muscular wrestlers were kind of being uh, shipped out of WWF for various legal reasons. That's true. And, and so you're reasons. just left with a load of the smaller guys who are now going to carry the ring up the stairs. <laughs> See, had this been like 1987, you know, it would have been a oh, lot easier. You'd with, have had with, Warrior with the, with the entire ring pre-built on his back jumping to the top floor. <laughs> and then he throws it to Don Morocco who passes it off to Paul Orndorff and... I'm sure that app happened in an episode of Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. I seem to remember. <laughs> it was the one thing Tom McGee was good at. <laughs> <laughs> but I love, I love the Hammerstein Ballroom. There's just such a. It it reminds me a little bit of uh, something that we've been 
seeing a lot of in the last couple of days, uh, the the Royal Albert Hall. Yes. In the UK, where the WWE had their UK shows. Just a beautiful venue for wrestling. Uh, almost it, too beautiful. It, it is. And it's starkly different from just every other you know, basic you know, 10,000, 20,000 seat arena that they run TV tapings at. It stands out. It, it's somewhere between studio wrestling and a regular TV taping, which is what, which is what made it special because it, it does stand out as being starkly different. And it really stood out as the show went on. Um, there was nothing else wrestling-wise on TV that was like this. You kind of had WCW um, worldwide that was kind of on a sound stage, that, but it didn't feel as earthy as this did. No, because one was tourists who were being told who to cheer and boo for, and the other was Rock's New Yorkers telling you who they were going to cheer and boo for. And they were very, very ruckus indeed. Well, they say we will. Let's crack on with the show. Yes. So the air date Monday, January eleventh, nineteen ninety three, as stated. This was the Hammerstein Ballroom, or as it was known then, the Manhattan Center. I guess it goes by both names. Midtown Manhattan, New York City. And the first voice we ever hear on Monday Night Raw is current podcast impresario Sean Mooney. Nice to hear Sean Mooney again. He's kind of been lost in the annals of time a little bit. Absolutely, it's, especially with the Coliseum video uploads to the network. Like hearing him and Lord Alfred, you have a little more appreciation for how he was able to hold some of the inanity together. We also really appreciate, and, and I'm British, so I'm allowed to say this. We appreciate <laughs> that Lord Alfred Hayes wasn't that good. <laughs> well, what do you he mean? took quite a shellacking. <laughs> he he would turn from... Lord Alfred's best skill was turning from face to heel, depending on what match he was calling. And he, and I don't think he did that in a, because he was good at doing it. I just think he did that because he was bad at doing it. <laughs> My word. <laughs> My word. Yeah, let's, let's not sugarcoat it. Lord Alfred Hayes wasn't great. I love him. Piece of British <laughs> wrestling history, without a shadow of a doubt. Piece of wrestling history worldwide. But if we really, if we're really honest, he wasn't that great. <laughs> but yeah, he was still enjoyable. I think because he was British, the British accent really does stand out on a show like where, where when it's when you're watching something that is just full of Americans going, "I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna slam you, I'm gonna," and then you suddenly get, "I am backstage in the Hoosier Dome." <laughs> like, oh, it's Alfred Hayes. Hoosier Dome in the Hoosier Dome. <laughs> Said like he'd never been there before ever. So, so we, so Sean Mooney's the opening spiel. This is going to be a, a show long thread where Bobby Heenan's trying to get into the show, but he's been replaced by, of all people, Rob Bartlett. I'm, I reckon within 60 seconds of the show starting, I, I really wish Bobby Heenan had got in. Well, that's what led to the wonderful train wreck that was this particular episode of Raw. Which, which after we get the opening spiel, which by the way is the, to me is one of the best opening montages for any wrestling show ever. That sort of you know gritty bass rock song they have that. It was just it was so different for 1993, and it was it was it was a bit of a contrast to the, I want to say more elegant but much more like. Like synthesized songs they have for like Saturday Night's Main Event and Superstars and things like that. 
it immediately yeah. stood out because there was nobody else doing sort of rock stuff like that. Plus, the actual video at the beginning of the show, you can layer the theme tune to Save by the Bell over the top of it, and it still works really well. Really? Yeah, I tried it earlier, just got bored. And it does work really well. Would Screech have have been a better commentator than Rob Bartlett? I think I think a, a physical manifestation of a Screech would have been a better commentator than Rob Bartlett. But we're going. It's you know what? It's it's low hanging fruit to to dig it's... on Rob Bartlett because Rob Bartlett was an actor, a local radio presenter. He wasn't a wrestling fan. He was brought in because the he had there was some cultural significance to bring him in, like this you know, this loud mouth stand up comic from New York, mm-hmm. it kind of made sense. But Rob's got like a really nice peppered history as an actor, I discovered. Mm-hmm. Would you like, Justin, mm-hmm. to play a game of Rob or not? Um, throw it at me. I'm gonna give you three Rob Bartlett based scenarios that are either true or false. Okay. And I need you to tell me which they are. Your first one. Rob Bartlett starred in a play with Harry Potter. True or false? Just true or false? I believe that is true. That is true. Uh, Mm. If you're interested, the play is called How to Succeed in Business Without Trying. And he plays a character Mm. called Wally Wampa. (laughs) Uh, Sounds about right. Rob Bartlett played bass with Smash Mouth. True or false? I'm going to go false on this one. Well done. That one's made up. It's a dream of mine. Uh, For the game, for the game, three out of three. Rob Bartlett represented the Fonz in court. True or false? The who? The Fonz. Oh, the Fonz, yes. You're saying true? That is true, and I'll tell you why I know that, because I just saw that on TV a few weeks ago. (laughs) Yep, Law and Order SVU. Yes, we're going through channels, and I, I, I recognize Henry Winkler, the Fonz, who I thought you said the Fums on the right. <laughs> it's I'm, just I'm, the I'm accent. Going, who the hell? Who the he hell played at the, the Hoosier Dome. I thought it was like the Kinks, but not quite, like, like a Kinks cover band, the Fums. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be from now on. <laughs> the Fums. <laughs> Welcome you, to the, yes. Hello, we're the Thumbs, and we're here to play. <laughs> <laughs> you really got me. But anyway, it's... It was Lawnard SVU, and, and it's true, Rob Bartlett occasionally played a lawyer on some Law & Order properties, and Henry Winkler, the Fonz from Happy Days, was a, was a defendant in some in something that was like a murder trial, I guess, and, and Rob Bartlett was his attorney, and I recognized him, and my, bro- and my brother goes, man, you've watched too much Monday Night Raw if you recognize Rob Bartlett like, from Jump Street like that. Do, do you not think that Rob Bartlett looks more at ease doing stuff like Law and Order that he does here. Well, I mean, yeah, because he admitted in an interview years later he knew nothing about wrestling. He just he did the show because his son was a wrestling fan and he thought it'd be cool if, you know, his son got to watch his daddy on TV with all the wrestlers and, and I I get that. That's like it, it makes sense as to why he took the job, but beyond that if it's not for unintentional comedy then then the this was all for naught. Because was... I imagine as well that because he wasn't a wrestling fan, he was probably like, I'm going to research this. I'll do some research into this. I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll, actually, I'll do it the next day. I'll do it the next day. And then suddenly, lights, camera, action. The little light comes on on the camera. And Rob has that look. Even though he's wearing glasses, he's got that 100-yard yes. stare of, what the flipping heck am I going to say? Well, within the, 
Within his opening spiel, he called Yokozuna Yokozuma. Oh, I know. God love him. <laughs> he made he made like a diaper joke about Yoko's Mawashi that went nowhere. And Vince and Vince already had this look of utter irritability on his face. <laughs> like, like he he was contemplating putting anybody in that spot. Vince and, was already was ready to get Bobby heated in from outside. Vince looked furious. And there was a few times during this show that Rob will go off on a tangent on commentary and you'll hear Vince sort of save it, but you can hear this, ha, 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 what a great time. That laugh that you do when, you are, when you've got the auntie and uncle over that you don't get on with, but you have to make small talk with them whilst waiting for your brothers to come from downstairs. <laughs> That sort of, ha, 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 oh, we're great friends. <laughs> I, I, I expect him to come out of commercial break with just Vincent Savage at the table. <laughs> no, 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 Vincent with explains... Rob there, but just slumped over with an arrow in the back of his head. <laughs> <laughs> you can just explain, uh, Mr. Bartlett had a medical episode and will not be on the road <laughs> for the rest of this broadcast. We wish him well in his future endeavors. On with the show. As you see him being forcibly dragged away in the background by by, by, by building security. <laughs> As they roll him up on a carpet and throw him off a bridge. Never to be seen again. But, okay, we go to the opening match. The first match in Monday Night Raw history is two Hall of Famers. Perhaps, perhaps not two Hall of Famers you would think of immediately. Yokozuna versus Coco Beware. Is Coco Beware the bird man if he doesn't have the bird? I suppose he is. I mean, he would, he would kind of have to be. I mean, is Ric Flair the nature boy when he's in his 60s? I thought you were going to say, is he the nature boy when he's not in nature? <laughs> well, if, he's not, if he's not frolicking through a field of wheat, is he really the nature boy? <laughs> well, everything is nature, technically. I mean, I mean like, he's like a goddamn comedy store that sells like whoopee cushions and... and... And, and fake teeth. I mean, that that's nature. It, it's a it's a version of nature, is it not? Fair point, well made. That's quite deep. <laughs> so as long as he's in a habitat of some sort, he is in nature. Do you know as well that all the wrestlers who had animal mascots were left responsible for the animal mascots? So mm. Vince would go, "You're the bulldog, and you've got a bulldog. <laughs> now look after the bulldog." Here's your pooper scooper, goddammit. Good luck getting that through an airport. Like, Coco Beware had to look after that bird, Frankie, everywhere he went. Well, well, Jake had to do the same thing with Damien, I guess. Steamboat had to do the same with that Komodo dragon he had, or whatever it was. And Shawn Michaels had to do that with Marty Jannetty. Hey! Frankie's dead, by the way. I mean, obviously no now, because he was alive in the 90s, <laughs> he'd be kicking on. But I found, I wanted to find out what became of Frankie the Bird. Did he like go to a uh, wrestling mascot retirement home where he spent his days hanging out with the bulldog, the snake, Marty Giannetti? Uh, <laughs> no, but Frankie the Bird died in a house fire in 2011. Oh, that's a shame. And there's a really weird YouTube video where this story is told uh, on a Hulk Hogan and Friends live tour. It's Coco Beware talking about his house burning down whilst the Nasty Boys watch 
from the stage and giggle. It's really weird. I don't <laughs> understand it completely. Um, there'll be a link in the description, I'm hoping, where you can watch it for yourself. Now, when they, say Hulk Hogan, when they say Hulk Hogan and friends, do they mean that they're friends with each other based on their treatment of Coco's poor story about losing his <laughs> beloved bird? That doesn't sound very friend-like. I, I, I'd like to think it's that. I think it's more the fact of here is a group of people who benefited from being in the gravitational pull of Hulk Hogan during the 90s. Let's do a comedy tour. Here's Coco Beware. He's on stage to do his comedy. Oh, God, he's talking about his dead bird. Oh, God. Get him off. Get him off. He does this every night. It's like, it's like Jimmy Stewart's old poems about his dead dog. I imagine the nasty boys laughing at those. They're evil. They're evil. They looked in great shape here. And they'll pop up eventually on uh, on these reviews, assuming when we get past the first one. So Coco pops up. He's got on a pink windbreaker and lime green pants. He's looking He's looking so late 90s, it actually gives me a, a pulled hamstring. That's how late <laughs> 90s he looks. Very, very colorful. Neon was big in the 90s. And then he's followed by Yokozuna, who Savage refers to as the world's biggest egg roll. He was also very big in the 90s as well. <laughs> and yeah, the yeah, 80s was, and yeah. the 70s. They grow them Samoan wrestlers big. I mean, Japanese wrestlers. What? He's Japanese. Stop saying he's Samoan. He's definitely Japanese. Where do I get this from? He is a sumo wrestler. He comes out to the sound of people playing bits of bamboo and he has the Japanese flag flying. He is bleached <laughs> Japanese. Yes, he does have the day spa mud bath music, the relaxation music going on in the background. <laughs> oh, please tell me that's actually what it's called. The mud bath music. <laughs> that's how I think of it. I'd feel nervous if I was in a mud bath and Yokozuna music start playing. Put me very on edge. Mr. Oh, Fuji coming be, uh, and throwing freedom powder at me. A very uh, compromising position. He's susceptible to the bonsai drop. <laughs> and many other things. Do you know Yokozuna was afraid of spiders? Really? This is a great story. This is a real story. Um, my friend Kev uh, used to book wrestling shows mm-hmm. in a part of the Northeast called Ashington. And he actually booked Yokozuna for a show in Ashington, like like a year or so before he passed. So he was doing like random independent shows where he was at his biggest and he'd turn up, he'd squash a local lad, get paid more than everybody else, then get home. And mm-hmm. uh, Kev got a photo. They, Kev arranged Yokozuna to have his own dressing room, freshly cleaned. That was the order. Freshly cleaned, freshly hoovered. And he had a phone call from Yokozuna's agent saying, Yokozuna's on the way. Can you please hoover his dressing room? Kev was like, oh, yeah, I've, I've already hoovered it. He said, no, you need to hoover it again. He wants it freshly hoovered for when he arrives, just in case there's any additional spiders that have crept in after the the initial clean. Turned out <clears throat> Yokozuna was terrified of spiders. So if you're terrified of spiders, fret not. Yokozuna was horrified by spiders and he was massive. Can you imagine how high he would jump off the ground if he saw a spider? You'd feel it for a good few a good few miles round as well, I'd assume. I, I, I would imagine. So what, Yokozuna what? was afraid of spiders. You're very welcome. <laughs> and this fact brought to you by Mr. Tom Campbell. Ding. 
Rob Bartlett refers to Yokozuna as a big-butted Oriental, <laughs> which an exasperated Vince kind of... Kind he of, just launches into, oh, oh, we're swearing already. <laughs> this well, is well, the, the worst day. Well, no, this, <laughs> the swearing is when uh, Bartlett says, he's got an ass like an amphitheater, and Savage <laughs> acts like it's the most edgy thing he's ever heard in his entire life. <laughs> Ooh, I heard that. That's a terrible swear word. Amphitheater. <laughs> that was very Pee Wee Herman-ish. <laughs> That's the word of the day. That wasn't what I was going for, but we'll take it. It's be- well, it's better than the Jonathan Coachman word of the hour. <laughs> Guys, the word of the hour is amphitheater. Because I'm a trying thing? to get fired. An amphitheater? No, no, I know what amphitheater is. The Jonathan <laughs> Coachman word of the day. No, he, he does a word of the hour during Raw. Like, See, like, like, like a theme. This shows you like... how much I don't pay attention to Raw anymore. <laughs> Guys, the word of the hour is decline, because we're in the third hour, and we lose about 10% of our audience at this point. The word of the hour is jaded. Jaded. <laughs> the word of the hour is overkill. Oh, more on that later. <laughs> so, Savage at one point says, he, he says, of Coco, he doesn't have Frankie with him. I wonder if that'll be a factor. Yeah, because he was going to use Frankie as part of his offense. Have you not seen it? Where Frankie and Coco do a um, do an Anderson, like a double Anderson spinebuster. It's incredible. <laughs> well, he sends Frankie there. Actually, the, the first Meltzer driver was done by Coco Beware and Frankie. And the weird part is it was Frankie holding Yoko up for the move. Exactly. And it was Coco that flew through the rafters. Because he's the Birdman. He's because he's the Birdman. <laughs> so it, Birdman, it, it, Coco Bird. It's um, it's a very basic squashes to get Yoko over prior to the rumble. Crowds happy to see uh, the running leg drop, the bonsai drop, because they're just. It's a New York crowd, and they love watching you know guys get squashed, especially the old time baby faces like Coco that hadn't been over in a while. And um. That's pretty much all there was to this match. It was yeah, just, it was it was just like squash. you say, it was just getting him ready for, for the Rumble. Just reminding everybody that Yokozuna was a force to be reckoned with. And Coco Beware, <laughs> bless him, took almost a bigger shellacking as Virgil did a mere yes. months before. And as we've stated, although it can't be stated enough, by this point Vince had to have absolute buyer's remorse in regards to the <laughs> com- comedian sitting next to him that didn't that had no goddamn clue what was going on. He just understood that Yokozuna was big. Coco was not. But he, he did get in some very edgy Gary Coleman jokes for 1993. Oh yeah, he said he wondered what... I remember the start of the match he went, I wonder what became of Gary Coleman. And Vince like, yeah, he grew up. Vince is annoyed. Like you say, buyer's remorse. Within the first match, Vince is like, god damn it. <laughs> At this point, uh, Vince has his... <laughs> He's just playing along with Bartlett now. Like, yeah, sure. Is, 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 is it 10 o'clock yet? <laughs> As he pulls out his boot flask. It'll be better if he did. We get an ad from the 93 Rumble, which Damien Demento makes the ad. And that makes me happy. Yeah, I like, you know what? We're going to talk about him at length in a little while, but I do like Damien Demento. I'm a big fan of the weird wrestling characters. Especially the ones that uh, didn't necessarily have long tenures. They were just there for 
a couple cups of coffee and then kind of went on their way. And Damien was one of those with a, with a lovely pot of history, but more on him in a bit. You know, when he was on the independent scene in the early 90s, he wrestled for this New England-based outfit that was run by the Savoldi family, or maybe Tony Rumble. I can't remember which one, but his his name there, he, he was a Mongolian wrestler, and his name was Mondo Clean. That's, that's not a name. That's something that you do before your landlord visits. Mondo Clean. <laughs> this made... This may be a rare time that a character from the, from early to mid-90s WWF was given a better name than what they already had. It's true, actually. A lot of the time, whenever anybody goes anywhere else, the name is always like uh, an appalling pastiche to whatever it was. I will take Tracy Smothers over Freddie Joe Floyd. I will take Wild Bill Irwin over The Goon. But I will never, ever, ever take Mondo Clean. <laughs> over Damien Demento, because at least Damien Demento sounds awesome. Mondo Clean does sound like a domestic product as well. It, it does. How'd it you get like... your kitchen so shiny? <laughs> I used Mondo Clean. It's like a Roomba with arched eyebrows. <laughs> I am giving my Roomba eyebrows tonight. <laughs> Things are amazing as long as you know your dog doesn't go number two on the floor. And it, it'll certainly do its best to try and clean it. It really will. <laughs> You'll give it the old college try, as they say. We've got a Roomba, and it drives my good lady crazy because it doesn't clean in a sensible way. It literally bounces off walls and eventually <laughs> cleans the room. Whereas if you if you are vacuuming yourself, you can kind of go up the carpet, down the carpet, up the carpet, down the carpet, up. It looks nice and neat. A Roomba goes, I'm just going to go left, just going to bounce off this wall and go right. I'm going to go back down. I might go back the way I came just now. We'll go up this way now. It is just the, it is, it, it's like a, if you're cleaning with attention deficit disorder. It, just in any order, whichever you like, it's fine. It's the spot monkey of domestic cleaning products. <laughs> yes, it is just that. Long live the Roomba. It doesn't sell. It doesn't slow down and tell a story. It just goes haphazardly and off the walls. And, and, and Jim Cornette hates them. Yes, Jim Cornette does not understand how anyone can cheer for the Roomba. <laughs> Why is anyone cheering for the Roomba? <laughs> we get a narcissist promo from Bobby Heenan, who had the foresight to record it before he was locked outside. This is Bobby reminding us of just how good he is talking and how much better he is in a wrestling capacity to Rob Bartlett. This is the infamous ice cream to horse manure promo as well. This was quite a nice surprise when I watched it. It was actually the second one he did because the first one was comparing Flair to Hogan back in 91 when when Heenan brought the uh, NWA world title on TV and was and blew everyone's mind by holding it up and talking about how Ric Flair was coming for Hogan and but yes, uh, ice cream and horse manure, that was one of his one of his go tos, I guess you could say. I what what would you say in twenty eighteen, uh, Sir Justin, uh is like comparing ice cream to horse manure? Well, based on what I saw at the World Cup yesterday, I guess I, I guess the uh twenty eighteen German national team to the twenty fourteen one. Nice. Nice, I like that. It, and it's very accurate because obviously Germany are out, so that says everything. 
Yes, when you can only score two goals in three matches and you scored seven against Brazil four years ago, that's a difference. I'm going to say, um, in the current climate, Instagram, saw, Instagram stories compared to Snapchat is like comparing ice cream to horse manure. And that's a real fall from grace for Snapchat, which was, for a short while, the go-to send-a-quick-picture app. <laughs> Uh, and then Instagram stories just did it nicer. And now I think three people still use Snapchat. And two of them MySpace. work for Snapchat. Is one of them Tom from MySpace? <laughs> I hope so. Oh, oh I, really wanted to, I really want Tom from MySpace to be one of the final people on Snapchat. That just feels right. <laughs> It's like when everyone left ECW at the end because nobody was getting paid, and it's like the some of the regulars are still there. Tom's still hanging on. They just put Tom, so what you're suggesting is had ECW lasted any longer, Tom from MySpace would have been the ECW champion. Yes, it would have been him versus whoever was big in 2001 on the Indies. Uh, him versus Michael Modest. Him oh, versus wow, what a match! Reck, reckless youth. <laughs> a reckless youth. Is he still going? I'm not sure if he still wrestles, but I, I do know Tom Carter, who is Reckless Youth, is uh, he's still around on social media. He, he's still fairly young because he started fairly young. I don't know if he's still. I don't, I don't know where his wrestling career is now, but he may have. It may not be what he he primarily does anymore, but he, he was he was a pretty big deal back in the mid '90s. One of those first real indie darlings of that era, like right as the internet was starting to take off. He was there, wasn't he? Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to look him up after this. I'm going to see if he's all right. I'm going to draw eyebrows on my Roomba, and then I'm going to look at Reckless Youth. Well, speaking of Reckless, that, that's a great segue into a Steiner Brothers match. Oh! Why was the Steiner's music played on a kid's xylophone? I think I think it was like a fight song of some sort, like, like a, a collegiate sort of athletic type of fight song you'd hear on Saturday afternoons during college football. Not that you would really have much grasp of American style college football, but you know, with the marching bands and it's all part of the aesthetic. They all have those, they all have those kind of fight songs, don't they? You don't really get them in, in British football or soccer. You don't get them because you just get chants, which is like, we are city, super city. It's a bit rubbish. I quite like collegiate fight songs in British, in English football. That would be brilliant. You have not lived until you've seen a college marching band play Iron Man. Oh, I need to see that now. That needs to be a part of my day. <laughs> that, Seven Nation Army. There's a lot of well-known contemporary rock and metal songs that I've seen marching bands play. And it's actually... I remember there was one game uh, in the last few years where they were playing Lean Back by Fat Joe. And it just seemed really out of place. Like <laughs> These band nerds in their giant hats playing Lean Back. It's like... Well, best of both worlds, I guess. <laughs> Good luck with that. It's um. So we get, during this match, we have Doink running. It's, it's Steiner versus the Executioners. I've done some research into this before we go any further. Okay. Uh, I've I've found the identities of the Executioners because there were loads, and it's it's a nightmare to find out who the Executioners are at any one given time. Okay. But I've found out who in this instance, the executioners were, and I've got their names. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. By all means, share. It was Executioner 1 and Executioner 2. Well, that sucked. That sucked. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. I did research. <laughs> That's more than what Rob Bartlett did. <laughs> I have now officially, in that, done more research than Rob Bartlett. <laughs> you have done your homework well, young Tom. <laughs> Thank you, Padawan. I'm, I'm I'm almost certain, in all seriousness, that this was Dwayne Gill and Barry Hardy, because if there's ever two guys under masks in this time frame, in just a filler role, it was usually Gill and Hardy. Gill being the future Gilberg, the late heavyweight champion of, of over one year that once beat Christian, before becoming the seminal Gilberg, also the father of James Ellsworth, as some claim. But do you know that but, James Ellsworth and Gilberg had a match on the Indies? I did hear that, yes. Oh, and it, it's, it's special. It's very special. We have Doink running through the crowd during this match. And he's more he's almost as entertaining as watching one of the executions get thrown into the ropes and forget how to run the ropes and slide and fall on his ass. Yeah, what happened there? Did he just hit like an invisible wall? <laughs> just <laughs> clattered into nothing? It, it, it was just like a brain freeze almost. Like he'd forgotten what his fundamental task was in that moment, and he just skidded and grabbed rope and kind of keeled over like an ice skater that had no idea what they were doing. I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often in wrestling because we're all human. Like how often? I I think I I can't think of more than like a handful of occasions where I've seen a wrestler hit the ropes and, and get it wrong. Mm, there was Jonathan Coachman at Bad Blood and this. That's it. That's it. In, in several decades, that's that's good going. It is. You know, we're so used to the consummate professionalism of these guys when they do the, even, even just the most basic of stuff, and we 
and we do take it for granted what they do. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I've sat and watched people plan out matches, and and I find that fascinating. Like, I'll go to the shops, and and I'll be like Peter Griffin in that Family Guy episode. A loaf of bread, stick of butter, put in the milk. A loaf of bread, a Joe Dirt DVD, and a Joe Dirt DVD. And And that's going to the shops to buy something, to map out a match and remember it all, with only the odd little prompt as the show goes on. I'm permanently impressed by wrestlers that do that well absolutely it's where experience and uh, i guess a bit of muscle memory come into play just having done it routinely for so many years as a lot of these veteran wrestlers have and but once in a while you see see just kind of a goofy miscue like that you just you just laugh because it's you know what the f (laughs) but but during this match we have vince trying to reference a news story while rob bartlett imitates the three stooges Well, while Doink is running around. Actually, the best bit was um, when Rob Bartlett went, what's his name? Is his name Dork? Dork the Clown? And Vince went, yeah, it's Dork the Clown. Wait, no, no, it's Doink. (laughs) Rob was so bad that he dragged Vince into the abyss with him for a brief second. Vince will sell for anybody, but I don't think he was selling there. I don't think that was... I think Vince has just kind of, at this point, just zoned out Rob Bartlett. And he's like, yeah, whatever, mate. It's Dork the Clown. There's Dork. No! And then he had to come back out and go, no, actually, it's not. It's Doink. It's like, when a little kid... over. <laughs> it's like when a little kid's pestering their mother. And like, like, like mommy, mommy. And finally she's like, yes, yes, go ahead. And turned out the, the question he asked was, can I, can I... I set the dog on fire. Well, she said, yes. <laughs> Yeah, she can set the dog on fire. Wait, what? (laughs) And then she turns and there's a big fireball in the living room where Fido used to be. That's very true. Oh, poor (laughs) Fido. I miss him. Doink the Clown. uh, I still say is one of my favorite characters of all time in wrestling. An evil clown. It's just brilliant. Well, yeah, the preference that that's the heel version of Doink. That was the oh, yeah, character. when he became a bad guy, it, it became sugar-coated garbage. But the the bad guy Doink, with a with a cigar on the go, popping kids' mm-hmm. balloons, it was brilliant. So, a little bit of uh, Pennywise, a little bit of Joker, a little bit of the future uh, Sweet Tooth in the Twisted Metal games. Just so just a pure cool. evil clown. And, of course, beating Crush in the head with a loaded arm was, was great fun. Oh, yeah, we've got that to come, haven't we? Uh, yes, we do. Well, it, yeah. it, didn't happen on, it didn't happen on Raw, but they will reference it. Oh, that's exciting. But, no, nice to see Doink the Clown. Big fan of the evil clown. More should, more should have happened with that. Yes. And, of course, Doink versus the modern Scott Steiner would have been something special. Oh, Scott Steiner would kill him. He just like turn him into a pile of goo. Imagine Doink throwing a pie at Scott Steiner's head, and then Scott flipping out, and then just ripping him to shreds. Scott would rip his arm out. <laughs> Not even the pretend one, like the real one. There was grease, paint, endless handkerchiefs everywhere. <laughs> the death of a clown in Cinema's Friday. <laughs> now we have Bobby Ian trying to get back into the building, except now he's in drag. Dresses Rob Bartlett's aunt in a horrifying visual. <laughs> this is a treat. I I love and miss Bobby the Brain Heaton. Just able to take scenes like this and just make them his own and make them brilliant. 
he threw himself into everything he did. Well, in this company anyway. Yeah. Most oh, yeah. He, he he phoned it in at WCW, but then I think most sure. people did. But it, yeah. he's a great example of you know somebody who was given given nothing and turned it into something. Told okay, try and pretend to be his aunt. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna turn this into something hilarious, and he did, <laughs> and he was brilliant at it, and I loved him for it. <laughs> but it's like, where did he get all that stuff on short notice? The wig, the lipstick. I mean, <laughs> he just got it. He's just that's that's the glory about about wrestling in this era. It was just a bit like a cartoon, and like nobody questions when Bugs Bunny suddenly puts an outfit on. Oh, did he nip to the fancy dress shop? Nah, he's just he's just wearing it now. Let's not worry too much about the hows and the whys. Good he's point, just good wearing point, it good now. Point. Speaking of unusual clothing, we come to the Razor Ramon interview. Oh, before that, we there was one bit that we missed out, which is the model, not Rick Martel, but a lady model who was walking okay. around the ring holding oh, right, the Monday right. Night Raw sign. She was had a, a, a little leotard on. All the men were wolf whistling. And then Randy Savage goes, I'm glad I've got X-ray vision. <laughs> so you could, so you could look at this girl's innards. Is, is the, we, we got a horrible insight into how Randy Savage gets his rocks off. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Look at the spleen. Yeah. She's on a high-protein diet. You can see it all running through her intestine. Yeah. What I, a I weird, get, pervy line. <laughs> I'd get that growth checked out if I were you. <laughs> oh, wait, that's your belly button. Dig it. <laughs> Dig the belly button. Weird, pervy Randy Savage. <laughs> Literally Randy Savage. Well, from macho to machismo. Nice. Vince is here to interview Razor, and Razor has this almost like a paint-by-number shirt on with that was partially colored in but not yet completed. He's wearing the title card from Saved by the Bell. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it. <laughs> He was going to fill in the rest later, but he, was, he, he ran out of time before the show started. <laughs> it's a strong look. <laughs> As we will learn throughout this year and probably for the year after, 1993 was a very bizarre year for fashion. Not a lot of it holds up at the same time. It's all so charming to look at. Oh, oh gosh, it is. Yeah, don't. Although, don't watch it if you've got a headache. Yes, it'll, uh, it'll blur your vision even worse. I'm I'm remember I reminded in this bit of how Scarface the first Razor Ramon incarnation was, and it is because he went to Vince and went, "Hey, I've got a character. Do have you ever seen Scarface?" And Vince was like, "No, of course not." And he just did a Scarface impression, and Vince was like, "I love it. Let's do it." And there was the Scarface influence here in many ways, most notably when he said "cockroach." Instead of, instead of just cockroach, cockroach. Adding extra like verbs where not needed. Mm-hmm. We get the footage of him beating up Owen Hart, which was part of the storyline where Razor was going to face Brett at, at the 93 Rumble for the title belt. And Owen had on a purple windbreaker and purple and white Zubaz. <laughs> if we're talking sartorial choices, we have to throw that one in. <laughs> It is some of these outfits are just beautiful color explosions. Like they raided MC Hammer's wardrobe before they started. <laughs> it's it's like watching a jazzy Jeff music video. 
Oh, it's uh, the the 90s exists on Monday Night Raw. God love the 90s. We made some weird decisions in the 90s. We decided to build houses out of out of poisonous powder. We decided that we need to destroy, especially in the UK. Hey, that really nice church, knock that down because we want to put a big grey skyscraper there where we can have a thousand people living in it. It was the nineties was hilarious for that. Hey, let's I tell you what, we love cassettes and we love CDs. We've made something that is both it is a mini disc. <laughs> Let's neither give Jenny McCarthy. Li- neither liked it. Let's give Jenny McCarthy a game show. See, it was a year of bad. It was a decade of bad ideas. But some, but some good ones also. Grunge music. Hello. Yeah, grunge very much happened. The Tamagotchi happened. Um, uh, what else happened? PlayStation. In the, what, PlayStation. PlayStation um. Yeah, N- Nintendo upset Sony, so the PlayStation was born. That's nice. ECW was born. ECW happened in the 90s. Welcome to Tom and Justin list things from the 90s. Yes. <laughs> we Sega Sega CD as you called it and Sega Genesis or as it's properly called the Mega CD and the Mega Drive. Yes, and at least it lasted longer than the Dreamcast did, I think. Yeah, I seem to remember the Dreamcast lasted about 5 minutes. Yeah, that was the death throes. Anyway, um, and, that, and more on that another time on another episode yeah. of Tom and Justin <laughs> remember some things from the nineties. <laughs> I fell into a happy lull there. I was so pleased because I was. But and anyway, I, I got like smack myself to get out of this here. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> back. So Razor imitates Scarface and talks crap about the Hart brothers, and it ends when he throws a toothpick in Vince's face and gets applauded for it. It's true, but you, you're chucking a toothpick into authority in the middle of New York. Of course they're going to love it. Yeah, of course, and it's... I remember, Vince thought he'd be the babyface after Montreal when he got his side of the story out. They're all going to turn on Brett, and they're going to see that, that I was the benevolent one, that I was the valiant one. Yeah, well... Can you close. imagine if Vince was... As bloody-minded as he is now, back then, because he's adamant that oh, they're they're booing Roman Reigns now, but you know he's the good guy. They'll come round to him. I'm gonna keep trying. Imagine if Vince had continuously tried to make himself the good guy after Montreal. Well, he'd be pushing Rob Bartlett to this day if he if he was if he had that mindset now. Thankfully, he hasn't, so we're all good. Bartlett sucking. Clap, 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 clap. He's getting a reaction. People love him. They love to hate him. <laughs> He's polarizing. Get him in the ring with Jinder Mahal. Because of reasons. I don't know. I've switched off. <laughs> Sad Vince. <laughs> I don't know. Who's so winning the money this... in the bank, Vince? Ah, just Braun Strowman. <laughs> Who's winning the Greatest Royal Rumble? Ah, Braun Strowman. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. <laughs> just, I just created the sad Vince character who's just given up on all things. It's like Strong Sad from... <laughs> yes! Strong Sad from Homestar Runner. It's, it's a Strong Sad with a pompadour. Vince McStrong Sad. 
Strong bats ride. I'm a waste of space. I said you're a fat waste of space. <laughs> so we get a, a truly awkward plug for not this not this awkward part, but but from the show an awkward part where Savage plugs the Headlock on Hunger Somalia Relief Fund, and he he's running down the Madison Square Garden show, and. Uh, and Bartlett's trying to like awkwardly plug it to Tonka interview, and he has no idea how to, how to throw it to that, and the truck's not throwing it to it. And finally, we have, we have to Tonka pl- plugging headlock on hunger, and let, and let's have the battle cry at the end of it. I've um on the subject of uh, head put a headlock on hunger. Uh, I've come up with some potential offshoots. Oh no. So obviously, headlock on hunger is is a wrestling way of creating a charity to support a cause. Okay. Uh, we could also have pile driver on poverty. Okay. Uh, chin lock on child homelessness. Uh, <laughs> and a roundhouse kick on rehoming dogs. <laughs> Flying head scissors on famine. Yes! Flying head scissors on famine. Um, <laughs> we'll do... Power bomb on pestilence. Power bomb on pe- We're just going to go through the four horsemen of the apocalypse, aren't we? Okay, Paul Roma, Mongo. Um... <laughs> Sid- Let's not forget Sid Vicious. <laughs> we we can't ever forget Sid Vicious. Never forget. Hashtag never forget. He'll come at you with a sponge <laughs> if you do. A sponge? Yeah. And some scissors. Oh, uh, I don't know. Is sponge slang for something? Sponge is like what? a squeegee. In oh, America, squeegee, you call him okay. a squeegee. So over here, it's a sponge. Yeah. Our sponges are a little more soft than the squeegee. Squeegee is actually... If you attack Puma with a sponge, that'd be even funnier. <laughs> yeah, actually, that would have been a lot funnier. <laughs> so we come to the good match of the show. The actual sort of wrestling match is... Shawn Michaels versus Max Moon for the Intercontinental Championship. This is the good match, isn't that? Isn't that horrifying? Well, I mean, one one was. half of it is 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 without peer. It's obviously you know young in his solo career, Shawn Michaels. Uh, it's mm-hmm. during that awkward phase where Sherry Martel is singing his theme music, mm-hmm. and and Moon being the former partner early in Shawn's career, which is Paul Diamond. And later, Michaels and Diamond had many matches with each other in tag team form. Uh, it was Rockers versus Bad Company AWA, or Rockers versus uh, Orient Express and WWE, because Max Moon was also Kato. Yes, he's a man of many talents, is Paul Diamond. Paul Diamond was a very underrated performer. Wrestling is a better place for the Max Moons of the world. I... I believe and, and i've argue, i argue with many wrestling fans about this and there's no right answer wrestling is more fun when it is inherently nonsense this I is true really i'm a big fan of shikara in america attack pro here in the uk where it is just wrestling being silly because when you break it down wrestling is silly it's so silly it's People in their pants, all oily, pretending to fight. It's so silly. But once you know that, you can then rebuild it and you can have fun with it. And 
I see so many people get so angry about wrestling. But it's just people pretending to fight and doing it brilliantly. I don't want to do I don't want to cast dispersion on anybody who's a wrestler because to sure, do it you sure. have to be incredibly talented. And and that is why I'm a super fan of so many people and a super fan of wrestling in general. But once you realize and I think some of the best wrestlers will know this once you realize it is inherently nonsense, you can be brilliant. Once you don't take it too seriously. I guess it comes back to the whole idea of life's better when you don't take it too seriously. And wrestling's more fun, I believe, when it's not taken too seriously. Well, for me, it's, it, it, it is more of a balance. You need some seriousness. You need some gravitas. But it is okay to have silliness also. It's like... You got to have your Bret Hart's, but you can also have your, you know, your whatever else, your, your repo men, so to speak. Yeah, I think yeah, one can't exist without the other. That's that's a fair statement. But I think, but the but the Max Moons actually, no, and this match is a great example of that. You've got Shawn Michaels and you've got Max Moon, who are very much different sides of the coin, uh, who put together an excellent match, the best and match Moon- of the night, which isn't which isn't a, a great honor to have because most of it was bobbins you know well done you had the best match on a really bad wrestling show it's like being valedictorian of summer school (laughs) yeah nice that's true (laughs) i mean not to say that this match is summer school worthy because it actually was a good tv match and and moon busted out some stuff that i'd never seen before he does really well considering he is in that suit they did this one spot where sure where they ran at each other and did like a double arm hook, but Moon pulled him into an armbar takedown, and it was really, really nifty looking. And I've never, I don't think I've seen that before or since, quite honestly. I don't think I have either. I'm trying to now think if I'd seen that. No, it's I haven't. It was it was a, it was a strong showing by by both guys. This is where we're in that weird point as well with Shawn Michaels where this where sweet chip music isn't really a thing yet. Nor is thigh slapping. No. So he just has this super kick, but it just kind of is like a it's a, a setup for a his setup teardrop move. suplex. The, the, the teardrop suplex as a as a name for the heartbreak kid makes sense. It does. It works in perfectly. It's like tombstone for the undertaker it was exactly that doink the clown popped up again during this match it was and and that wasn't even the most inane part because here you have this 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 wonderful match with Shawn michaels and max moon uh, just working well with each other they've they've been together many times before in matches like i said awa earlier in wwf but this is the match where rob bartlett decides all right we're going to test the boundaries of just how inane I can get. And he goes on about the Amy Fisher story, which for those of you in the, in the UK who might not be aware of who Amy Fisher is or even Americans who have forgotten the story, she was a, she was the Long Island Lolita. She was the quote-unquote victim of Joey Buttafuoco, which, which is a great name, by the way. That is a brilliant name. Joey and Bar- Buttafuoco. And, and basically, uh, without getting into into the gross details of the story, um, Amy Fisher ended up, I believe, shooting the wife of Joey Buttafuoco, um, a Mary Jo Buttafuoco, in the face and serving a prison sentence for it. And uh, 
And Rob Bartlett decides this is a great time to cast a theoretical movie for the Amy Fisher story with Sensational Sherry as Amy Fisher, Vince himself as Joey Buttafuoco, which go ahead and Google Joey Buttafuoco and see why this might be hilarious. I'll, I'll, I'll give Bartlett credit for one thing. He did put that visual in my head, and I laughed. So you go, okay, so on the laughometer from comedian Rob Bartlett, we can now strike one. <laughs> on a scale of one to ten, this was a solid two and a half. <laughs> Excellent. Which, well done. Which is a which is a high mark and may may up the curve for many others. But uh, second half of the match, nowhere near as funny because we have the Mike Tyson impression that goes on forever. And oh, I mean it drags ever. this out. It's it's I wrote in my notes, kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I just put, this isn't even a good Mike Tyson impression. No, it's... it's if, if, you, if you recall the episode of Raw after the Miz's daughter was born, and they spent the first half of a Seth Rollins-Finn Balor match, going on about Miz's daughter, asking questions about it, Miz is the heel here, and they can't stop gushing about his newborn kid. This put that in perspective. That suddenly felt like some compelling story building, world building commentary. Yes, it was a, it was a great build at WrestleMania. You get Miz over as a sympathetic doting father, when he's the heel of the match. But at, at, at least, at least it wasn't a, a lengthy Mike Tyson impression. And That's you can, true. Yes, and <laughs> the best part is, is there any discussion of Tyson though at this point? Was um, in the midst of his of his three year prison sentence. Savage says, "Quote: Tyson got a raw deal, and Vince is trying to qualify this somehow." I saying, "Well, you know, some say he did. He's trying to trying to soften the harshness of Savage for some reason." Defending Mike Tyson. I think it was at this point that Vince realized his second mistake with commentary. His first one was putting Rob Bartlett on. His second one was saying, I want you to be topical. Talk about events of the day that aren't wrestling. And here we are. We're talking about murderers and a boxer in prison. Yay, topical. Good job. This is a great idea. Why why world build when we can talk about the sad reality of sports stars doing time and whether they did it or not? Just what I need whilst watching Shawn Michaels and Max Moon have the best match of the night. But there is a silver lining here because Vince got into the match late and you could tell he was trying to escape what was around him. When Moon hits the seated senton off the apron, Vince is all like, like ah, this is a great match. And he's He's trying to ignore uh, his present circumstances. So the, the best way to get Vince into wrestling is to absolutely ruin his day around him. And he will see wrestling as the escape that many fans see it for, see it for what it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so Sean gets the... Um, he hits a super kick. Moon escapes one teardrop suplex attempt, but not the second one. The best thing on the show so far... Well, that and the fact that the Intercontinental belt had the turquoise strap at that point. I like that belt. I liked it with the turquoise on it. It was nice. Mm-hmm. The IC belt has had some of the best makeovers of any belt. Sure. And I like the fact that we're now at a point where we've actually got a retro IC belt. In a time where we're told not to worry too much about 
the 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 look of a belt. It's nice that we've got a retro IC belt. It it is. I was very grateful when Cody Rhodes brought it back, and and I wasn't the only one. There was um, I mean, back in the one warrior had the yellow strap for the Intercontinental belt, or when Sean had the white strap for the World Title. You know, a lot. It's a lot of different looks. A lot of unique ones. I like it. So at this point, we get the we get the Royal Rumble report with Mean Gene. This was the most traditional thing on the show. Oh, I don't think I had this on the one I watched. Really? No, I watched. Um, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to leave that because I because um, I watched the one on YouTube, which has got like loads of ads in for uh, the 1,000th episode of Monday Night Raw. Oh, because this is the network version that I was watching. Ah, so I've not seen this then. Yeah. It's just a very basic report, Mean Gene running down the show. Um, Iker Pro is a sponsor. I wonder how WWE got them. <laughs> oh, the World Bodybuilding Federation is something that we have to talk about at length at other time. <laughs> Absolutely. Especially the, the ill-fated second show when uh, Tom Platts had to explain how everyone looks smaller than the year before. <laughs> And there was a damn good reason for that. <laughs> Nothing beats. The, the the World Bodybuilding Federation can be summed up in three words by Vince McMahon. Gary Strider! Wow! <laughs> that's it. That's all we know. And that's all we care about with the World Bodybuilding Federation. <laughs> I like to imagine that was his Tom McGee reaction just transferred to the world of bodybuilding. Uh, with the World Bodybuilding Federation, we'll get a shoeing another time. I'm really hoping. Uh, there wasn't much of note to the Rumble report. It was just a basic filler bit to explain what was coming up in two weeks in Sacramento. Although I will note that Mr. Fuji calls Yokozuna Yokozuma like Bartlett did earlier in the show. And I'm thinking, that's what happened. Bartlett got all of his notes from Fuji, who ribbed him for most of the... <laughs> For most of their conversation. Or maybe we've all got it wrong. Maybe he was Yokozuma. But everybody's now too polite to to to, <laughs> to, to correct anybody. Maybe Yokozuma was too polite to change it to correct anybody. It's like when you go to a party and somebody says, oh, this is... Uh, uh, if, if you walked into a party, Justin, it's like somebody going, oh, this is James. Oh, hi, James. Hi, James. Hi, James. And it gets to a point where if you haven't corrected them, you, you can't. Too much time has passed. You're now James. You need to get used to it. And I wonder whether this happened with Yokozuma. Um, uh, maybe because Virgil called him Yakazuma. <laughs> so maybe Virgil knows as well. This uh, Yakazuma, Yakazuma, whatever his name is. Well, the awkward uh, correcting of the name would, would be the first awkward thing on this show, certainly. <laughs> it would not be the first, and it will not be the last. Because, because nothing else on the show has been awkward. <laughs> Oh, the other thing I have to mention is Carlos Colon being announced for the Rumble match. The youngster, as Gorilla Monsoon would refer to him as during the match, means you notice that Colon is representing Puerto Rico because this is now the Olympics. And every and, and every nation or territory or whatever is sending a different representative. Do you know what? I would like it if the Royal Rumble was a bit like that. Where it yeah. was, you could, like, imagine, right? Now, now WWE are working on, you know, we've got NXT UK. If they set up other countries, like, sites like that, you could do that where you go, right, the Royal Rumble, the WWE Royal Rumble is at the end of January, and NXT UK has got two slots. 
<laughs> we're going to find out which two NXT guys get to go in that rumble over there. That'd be cool. <laughs> and then, like, if there's NXT India, if they do stuff like that, if they do NXT China, and, like, they each get people in it. That'd be amazing. NXT Port... Uh, NXT Portugal with uh, Just Incredible as the champion. <laughs> yes, and nobody else. <laughs> is there more than one Portuguese wrestler? Or, no, or is no. It just there's Alan literally Montoya? there's only there's only two people in Portugal, and one of them is Aldo Montoya, and he was Man of War, and that's a fish. Yes, it is. A, it's, it's a very deadly fish, mind you. You don't yeah. want to get stung by one of those. You don't want a man with a jockstrap running at you. Who can he's wearing you. it on his head. It's either it's either Aldo Montoya or some bloke from a stag do. <laughs> from a what now? A stag do. Do you not do stag do's in America? What would I that... guess? Would it be bachelor parties? It's the oh, it's like oh, the... oh st- stag parties. I guess yeah, it's like when you, the thing that you do before you get married. It's that where you where you go and right, right. You yes. get bachelor, a lot of friends together parties. who you haven't seen in a hundred years. You go to a foreign country. You drink far too much. Get tired by ten p.m. and <laughs> suddenly regret all of your life choices. That's a stag do. Or it goes the other way, and you drink until your eyes fall out, and you wake up lamp chained to a lamppost in well, the middle of in the middle of nowhere. Yes, Tom. I know what those are. I just I never heard of stag do. Is oh, it, it's, so an... it's it's the word do that threw that threw yeah. you off. It's like Cluedo. No, it's Clue. Um, I'll I'll have you know that Professor Plum is a proud British man who invented Cluedo. And if he calls it Cluedo, then it's a Cluedo. And by the way, it's a snake and a ladder, not a shoot and a ladder. I know we said earlier, Justin, that we weren't going to get onto board games. (laughs) But you've you've got Maganda up with this, and it is definitely Cluedo, and it's definitely snakes and ladders. You can have life, though. We don't know what that is. Life and Candyland. You can have both of them. <laughs> um, I'm taking Monopoly also because because that was based on Atlantic City, which is in my state of New Jersey. Is it not originally based on London? Well, there's. I imagine there's different versions, but there's, what the hell? Is, there's thousands. How do, how do we? Tom, how do we get here? Jesus Christ. I'm actually on a Monopoly board. It's my favourite claim to fame. Are you really? My name is on the Wolverhampton Monopoly board. <laughs> that is your claim to fame. Yes, because I used to do a radio show for, in Wolverhampton. And when they announced Wolverhampton Monopoly, because we were partnering with them, we actually got my name on the Monopoly board. Okay, I have to ask, which side of the board are you on? Uh, I'm on one of the community chest squares. Okay. Okay. It just says, um, it has the radio station logo, and underneath okay. it says, Home of Tom Campbell at Breakfast, which was the okay. name of the show. Okay, that's actually a pretty cool achievement, but I was going to ask if you were on the cheaper side of the property. Like, <laughs> oh, 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 I was like, oh, Kent Road. I was in the cheap bit, whatever, whichever, what's the brown ones on Atlantic City? Because over here, that's old Kent Road. And that's like a hundred pounds. For us, the cheap ones are the purple ones. And so if you're Mediterranean, that means you suck. Really? The, the cheap ones are purple? Yes, it's it's a whole different world over here, Tom. Yeah, because the purple ones are the expensive ones. Purple ones may fare. Uh, oh, no, those are the dark blue ones here. Boardwalk is uh, the highest one, and that's dark blue. I'm confused. It's a whole different world here, man. Oh, man, I don't like it. Let's get back onto Raw quickly. I, I know before we uh, blow some... 
probably blow our minds even more. It's still Cluedo. Where the, where the hell am I in the notes? Ah, yes. Fans are lined up to buy tickets, I assume, for next week's show and not the one that's almost over tonight. <laughs> no, no, they, they want to get in because they've heard that Damien Dementos is the main event. Yes. <laughs> Bobby Heen is now dressed as a rabbi. <laughs> Apparently, he attacked a poor rabbi somewhere on 32nd Street and stole his, and stole his clothes, which I would have killed for that footage. So now he, he so now he's Bartlett's Jewish uncle, and he's trying to get into the show, and he still won't let him in. And then he says he's gonna try to find a way in through the roof. That would have been amazing footage to have. Oh, uh, trying, if, trying if to... Raw had been a bit longer, that's what I would have wanted to have seen. As they play the Mission Impossible theme music, and as Bobby Inch with a grappling hook is trying to climb in through the roof of the Manhattan Center. That would have been preferable to 80% of the stuff that was on this show. Probably more than that. I'm probably being generous. We get the highlights of Kamala falling under the tutelage of Slick. Before, before that, before that, we, we have we have the shot of the announce table. And you've got Randy Savage, Vince McMahon, and Rob Bartlett sat at ringside, sat at the announce table. I have to bring this up, right? Okay. It drove me crazy. Vince, will you tidy up your announce table? Like, it's so cluttered. Like, you you compare the way that Monday Night Raw is now. It's that slick, polished, like, uh, vibrant announce table three guys perfect suits like you've got like a you've got a can of sprite next to the monitor you've got newspapers everywhere you've got a wwf niagara falls cup it just looks a mess and it really annoys me it's like a hoarder's apartment it is like Vince. I'm like at one point I had to zoom in because I was like, "Has Vince got the newspaper open in front of him? Like, is he just reading the paper whilst the show's going on?" Because there's yes, some well, newspapers stacked on top of one of the monitors. It just Sean's looks facing, a mess. It's a mess. Sean, Sean's facing Max Moon. Vince starts reading off the classifieds. <laughs> and uh, here comes Max Moon, and oh, somebody's selling a toaster round the corner. <laughs> Getting my ass over. Twenty dollars or best offer. 20, oh, I'm going to offer him 18. What a maneuver! That's he's, hoping can, he's hoping that Bartlett can turn that into something. Maybe a Mike Tyson a, toaster joke. Of course he didn't. He just went, oh, yeah. uh, Sorry, yeah, so Kamala. Sorry, I interrupted you, Jesse. My apologies. <laughs> yes, you should never interrupt a Kamala anecdote because he is Kamala. This is, this is during the charming period when Slick took him away from uh, Harvey, Harvey, Harvey Whippleman, easy for me to say, and kimchi, and it led to nothing except Kamala forgetting, still not knowing how to pin people, because even though Slick is humanizing him, he still can't figure out the whole pinfall concept. This went nowhere, and Kamala was gone by maybe June or July. And then he went and started singing blues. That's right, he did. He, Kamala released an album a few people weren't aware he lost a leg and released some blues. I don't know whether the two are connected. No, I think he was singing before then, because he actually appeared on Lawler's Memphis shows in the 2000s singing. So, that... yeah, so therefore, yeah, it must have been after. Yes. Did he sing my yes, favorite come... blues song, which was the, the, the Time Traveler's Blues? I don't think he did. I woke up next Thursday. Thank you. That's the joke. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> You're welcome. Off we go. 
<laughs> we we come to the main event of the aforementioned Damien Demento, who, as far as I know, did not have any sort of blues singing career. Oh, but doesn't he look brilliant? He does with oh, the love him. that fringy shoulder dress that he had, the eyebrows arched. He's still talking to his hands because he's insane. Had the best hometown ever from the outer reaches of your mind. So he's a figment of somebody's imagination. He also looks like he would fit in to, I don't know whether you've ever played the game Dynasty Warriors. I'm familiar with it. He he looks like he would fit in well as a character on Dynasty Warriors for the PlayStation 2. He, he looks like someone that would try to overthrow like a, a 14th century empire. Maybe he did that before the match, and maybe that's why he, he was probably worn out from doing that, which is why he didn't really get out of the blocks with his opponent. Well, well at least he had the distinction of being called a big name by Randy Savage, because Savage said, Two big names in the WBF on Monday Night Raw going head-to-head. Him and The Undertaker. That's what an honor to be called a big name by Randy Savage. That's a, a great exaggeration. It was also during this match that Vince thanks the radio station WFAN for letting them have Rob Bartlett. <laughs> but and you I can have him back now. We're done. <laughs> it was the best rib that WFAN ever pulled. <laughs> I actually went to WFAN a year or two ago. I've just remembered. Did you get to meet Mike Francesa? No, sadly not. I met um, in the same building the guy who does uh, the afternoon show on CBS FM. I met Broadway Bill Lee. Really? Yeah, me and Broadway Bill are boys. We're like besties. What a guy. And again, the... Introduced to Mike Francesa, so you can listen to Francesa to a bitch about the Yankees for an hour. Maybe he did, because I know when I went in there, there was a couple of guys in there. I probably Mike did. Francesa, it's kind of a big deal, Francesa, especially when the Yankees or the New York Giants are in a slump, and he goes off on one of his famous tangents. Is he at his finest when he is tangenting? That or when he falls asleep on the air, which he's done at least twice. Oh, really? Yes. Or the one... Or the one time on a simulcast, he, he, he spilled a bottle of soda on the air during somebody's call. No. Yes, he's a, he's a, he's a wonderful train wreck in some ways. But i got to say, for a man in his mid-60s, he has a great head of hair, Mike Francesa. Some people are just blessed to have hair forever. And I think he must be one of these guys. Him and Christopher Walken, that's pretty much it. Uh, Demento's hair is nothing to speak of in this match. <laughs> Oh yes, there's a match going on. Damien Demento versus the <laughs> There's a match going on, and by the time by the time we're back to it, Damien Demento has taken a semi phantom head bump. <laughs> yes, we're happy to talk about the match Demento versus Undertaker here on the a Needless Segway podcast. <laughs> oh, there's plenty more of this to come. <laughs> Certainly is. And Taker wins with a tombstone soon enough, and that's your main event. But not the end of the show. Not by a long shot. Damien Demento, um, do we... I haven't timed it, but I'm pretty sure he lasted longer than John Cena against The Undertaker. It's got to be close, because Taker beat Cena in roughly 2 minutes and 45 seconds, I want to say. This might have been about 2 on the button. Hang on, let me... I can verify this real fast. Um, let's see. 
Thank you, historyofwe.com, one of the greatest archive websites of all time. Thank you very much. And Graham Colthon has maintained an incredible archive of results. Whilst uh, Justin is looking this up, I'm going to remember some more things from the 90s. Nope, I found um, it. Okay, there we go. <laughs> uh, acid wash jeans. Sorry. <laughs> Two minutes and 25 seconds. About 20 seconds shorter than Cena versus Tigger. Oh, okay, so, so Cena lasted longer. <laughs> ah, but here's an interesting note. During the Michaels Moon match, or sorry, after Michaels Moon, but before this match, Tito Santana beat Iron Mike Sharp in a match that aired during the Royal Rumble event interview segment or event center segment. Ah, I'm, didn't Bam Bam Bigelow fight in the main event in the dark main event? Yes, he faced Crush. Yeah, and we're getting to that. I'm not sure if your YouTube version had this. Yes, it did. Uh, so the match ended, and then Vince is ringside with Dork the Clown. No, Sorry, no, 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 Doink no, no. the Clown. No, no, no. Before that. Oh. When Vince is plugging next week's Raw. In, a, in an attempt to be topical and, and quote-unquote hilarious, Vince plugs for, for next week's show a cage match between Woody Allen and Mia Farrow. <laughs> I, I must have missed that. They had... They had a graphic for it and everything. No, I didn't get that. That's a shame. <laughs> and Vince is trying to sell this as though it's both... He's doing the clipped Howard Cosell faux seriousness. But at the same time, making sure you know that this is a wink-wink. Ah, just a joke. They're not actually going to fight each other. <laughs> that would be That would be the height of silliness. <laughs> that would be really good. So we're not going to do it. I'm pretty here's sure Dork the gonna... Clown. <laughs> Speaking of funny, here's Doink. Doink has been the the, uh, the 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 lifeblood of this show. He's just run all the way through it, and here we are at the end. Now he's interviewing Doink, and then Crush comes out because they had a little tete a tete at this point. So so Doink he squirts Crush with a squirt gun, and then there's a very awkward chase around ringside, and then it just ends. And then, and then Crush's music plays, and that's that. It was a really stunted ending. It, it was. It was like it should have kept going, but it was. It was like Crush was running too fast for Matt Bourne, so we had like stopping parts. I feel so like if get... you're gonna have the Undertaker on a show like this, that should be the last thing you see. Like, it should that's be the, the that's the highlight. That should be the parting shot, yes. Doink but... being chased away by Crush is, is is not the highlight of this show. Oh, it, it might be. <laughs> Bang on. Well, actually, the last Whoa. shot that we see isn't Doink and Crush. The last shot no, we see is Bobby Heenan in one final attempt to try and get into the venue. And they let him in, but the show is over. And that's the, <laughs> that's the joke. And he, we could have done with him all night. We really could have done. And as we will learn over the next three months, we could use him even more. Oh, Bobby, we miss you. We miss you. So that was episode one of Monday Night Raw. <laughs> it sounds a lot more interesting than it really was, believe me. I'm going to say that I liked watching that more than I like watching Raw at the moment. I know! Controversial! Right? Well, well, that I mean, show was 
it was the one that we've just watched it was very basic you had a couple of characters that you were getting over you had a story that ran through it and you had at least one solid match in there that's great raw now has just become this undigestible three-hour marathon of right that's of, of the same thing every week that's the point I was going to make as you're make as, as you're listening to off. This is only one hour, and condensed on the network, it's just forty three minutes. That's easy. It's easy watching. I could do that. This is why I prefer NXT at the moment because NXT is less than an hour. Done. Off we go. I can get loads of other admin done in my day. I can watch NXT and then crack on. And then other one hour shows you have like say Lucha Underground or MLW, just one hour long. Perfect. And then you move on with your day. And. And you don't see everybody on every single show. Like, I mean, there was on this show there was no Bret Hart, there was no Mister Perfect. You had you had Sean, Yoko, and Undertaker, and those were your big stars, and the Steiner brothers. I mean, no Bam Bam, no whoever else you could think of that, that's that had name value. Or, I mean, Luger hadn't debuted yet. There was no Flair, even though he was on his way out. It, it, it was more bare bones. It was a smaller cast, and not everyone got over. It took longer to get oversaturated with that approach. It was nice. I liked it. I liked the fact that it was simple. What did you make of it, Justin? Uh, it was just... You can tell it was in the beta testing phase. They were still trying to figure out how this was going to work. Um, I wouldn't call it the worst show I've ever seen, but you could tell it needed a lot of work. But the show would get better throughout the year. And in fact, 93 was a great year for Monday Night Raw, and would produce some of the best matches of the company that year, possibly even of the decade overall. Even And, and that's very lofty praise, considering that Brett and Sean throughout the 90s had some incredible matches with, with each other and others. So you're talking... I wouldn't call it a dark cloud. I, I would just call it a, a dry run that exposed a lot of flaws and needed to be smoothed over. But they did smooth a lot of them over, especially in April when Bartlett bids his adieu. I'm amazed that he lasts that long. Yeah, I am too. But I will say in his defense, he did an interview where he kind of explained why it didn't work. And, and, he, and he's right about one thing. He does a lot of political commentary. He makes fun of like politicians and people in the media. But he, says, he says, I make fun of people who who take themselves too seriously. How am I supposed to make fun of wrestling that doesn't take itself seriously to begin with? Like, like what can I add to, to make fun of Doink? He, he, he makes fun of himself already. Like, here, here's a clown wrestling. I can't add to that. The joke already tells itself. Exactly. Like, and this is why it's sort of low-hanging fruit, and we've done it quite a bit in this, in, in this episode, uh, to, to, to mock Rob Bartlett because like he is i think rob bartlett is away from wrestling uh a good actor and a funny bloke it just doesn't work in wrestling sometimes the, the the streams don't cross very well and on this occasion the streams just haven't crossed very well and he admitted that he, he was a he was a bad fit and he knew he was a bad fit he, he understood that it's not like he goes well i was great on there you know you guys are nuts but no he he, he got it too he said i couldn't give vince what he wanted and the fact that he was doing it as well for because his kid was a wrestling fan. That's adorable. I like that. It, it is. It, it, it's hard to hate Rob Bartlett, but it, 
it doesn't make his commentary any easier to sit through. So that's that's one way of putting it, I think. Well, I've got nothing else. Nah, that's I'm all my notes are fulfilled. I genuinely enjoyed watching old school Raw as opposed to new school Raw, and uh, and here's to watching this show develop into something far more interesting. And in 25 years from now, if, if, if God forbid we're still doing this show, <laughs> well, we'll be we'll be because... beaming it straight into people's minds by the next by by that point. I can see it now. The year 2043. So we so we get the same damn Seth Rollins match we got last week. <laughs> I'm, I'll just be on a drip, just just praying for death. <laughs> Not because of Seth Rollins, mind you, but because no, of... no, 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 no. Just just because I miss Rob Bartlett that much. Yes, Miss Rob Barlett and Miss Dork the Clown. Oh, poor Dork. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 